Hello and welcome to this bonus episode of the Wildlife Matters podcast. It's an autumn equinox special and today we're going to try something a little different. As the seasons change, nature responds. In autumn, nature provides us with bountiful harvests and time to reflect and look forwards as we plan for the coming year. Our summer visitors, such as swallows and house martins, prepare to leave for the warmer weather of Africa, whilst puffins and gannets leave to spend the winter at sea. Hedgehogs and bats are feeding up in preparation for their hibernation, whilst badgers and foxes ensure they are in prime condition for mating. Starling murmurations fill our evening skies. The squirrels and the jays are burying nuts. The salmon are running up the rivers. The deer are rutting. And the mushrooms are bursting out of the earth as the leaves begin to fall. Yet, new life is found on the beaches as seal pups are born. Autumn is coming. And that's something to be celebrated. As the sunlight diminishes daily, the leaves lose their chlorophyll, treating us to beautiful reds and golds with burnt umber and russet browns before falling slowly to the ground in the chilly autumnal winds. The hedgerows look resplendent with their berries in stunning reds, purples, blues and blacks and look at the harvest in the fields and in your gardens. Abundant fruits like apples, blackberries, elderberries, pears and vegetables like crinkly kale. The stunning stems of rainbow chards, the orange blush of carrots, purple swedes and the pops of taste and colour that we know as radish. Not forgetting the stunning fungi you can forage for out in nature now. Autumn really is a season of abundance. There is little to rival blackberry picking to bring back your childhood memories. It's great fun whatever your age, but as I've got older, I appreciate more the health benefits of these seasonal black fruits that are great for being packed full of vitamin C and fibre, helping to stop autumn sniffles, reducing inflammation in your body and improving your brain function. Let's not forget that folklore claims that the blackberry bush outside your house will keep the vampires at bay, not because of a pungent smell like garlic, but because the vampires have to stop to count the berries. Another dark berry you will find now is elderberry, a personal favourite. Traditionally, elderberry was used to treat influenza infections by boosting the immune system and it is said to aid sciatica, headaches, dental pain, heart pain and nerve pain. A word of warning, it is also a mild laxative and a diuretic. Elderberries taste great and can be used to make juice, jams, chutneys and best of all, elderberry wine. Another fond childhood memory of autumn is collecting the fallen conkers from the horse chestnut tree. Their hard, prickly green cases cracked open to reveal the ruby red nut inside. Back then, it was all about who had the toughest conker. Now I see conkers as a natural, organic and completely free laundry detergent. Conkers are full of saponin, 
taken from the Latin word sapon, which means soap. So conkers are also good as a natural body wash and shampoo too. Give them a try and I believe you will be pleasantly surprised. Horse chestnuts are not native to Britain. They were introduced from Turkey back in the 1600s. Today though, horse chestnuts are at risk due to the leaf miner moth that leaves dark sores on their leaves. With the autumn equinox in the Northern Hemisphere being the 23rd of September this year, the pagan holiday of Mabon is one of the eight Wiccan Sabbaths celebrated during the year. Mabon marks the autumnal equinox. Mabon is a week-long celebration of autumn where you're encouraged to spend time alone out in nature, one of the most sacred rituals of the autumn equinox. Just finding a quiet place to sit and reflect on the seasons passing by is one of the best ways to reconnect with nature. You can use this time to meditate or just be in silence and let yourself become one with nature again. Mabon is also a time for reflection on the year that has passed and for planning the year that is to come. It's a good time to let go of things that have been holding you back. A seasonal feast with family and friends and burning dried wild herb bundles is a wonderful way to celebrate the autumn equinox. To celebrate autumn, I am bringing you two autumn folklore stories. The first is a traditional Red Indian folktale called Why the Leaves Turn Red, which is coming up next on the Wildlife Matters podcast. time ago when the planet was inhabited only by creatures of the wild a gathering known as the council took place where important decisions were made one of the most imposing figures present was brown bear known for its fearsome claws gleaming coat and thundering growl the deer with its majestic antlers that resembled towering trees was also a prominent attendee at these meetings. As I gazed upon the assembly, it became evident that all the creatures had gathered for the Grand Council. From the majestic animals, to the soaring birds, and from the wriggling invertebrates, to the buzzing insects, every being had come together for this momentous occasion. Despite her diminutive size, even Little Turtle had mustered the courage to attend. Her reservations about her ability to contribute meaningfully were palpable, yet she remained steadfast and watchful, ever hopeful that an opportunity to assist her peers would eventually present itself. Little Turtle had been holding on to the thought of performing a kind act for quite some time now and was eager to seize the chance when it finally arose. During the council meeting, a member voiced concern about the lack of illumination in their dreary surroundings. 
They suggested fashioning a light source and stationing it up in Skyland. Little Turtle quickly recognised an opportunity and bravely proposed, Might I have your permission to ascend to Skyland? I am confident I can cast a dazzling light across the sky. Following a brief exchange of glances between the animals, they granted Little Turtle's request. They called upon Dark Cloud to ferry her to Skyland. The tiny but observant Little Turtle had noticed the approach of the ominous Dark Cloud, which carried with it the menacing forces of thunder and lightning. Once Little Turtle had safely reached the lofty heights of Skyland, she deftly moulded the powerful lightning into a compact sphere. She used it to create a brilliant sun. However, Dark Cloud placed the sun high up in the sky, where it remained motionless and lifeless. The world below was left barren, parched and scorching hot rendering it uninhabitable for many of the forms of life on Earth. The helpless animals pondered their next move, and one among them suggested infusing the sun with life and with spirit, so that it could move across the vast expanse of the sky and bring life to the world below. A group of animals came together to carry out an important task they collected the essence of time and spirit. They requested Dark Cloud to transport these precious elements to Little Turtle, who resides in Skyland. Little Turtle followed the instructions and she breathed life and spirit into the sun. As a result, the sun gained the ability to move across the sky. Mud Turtle also played his role by digging a hole of an appropriate size right the way through the Earth. This allowed the sun to journey around the planet daily, bringing light and warmth to all living beings. Little Turtle, the diligent caretaker of Skyland, believed that the sun needed companionship. With the remaining lightning from Dark Cloud, she created a new companion for the sun, and she called it Moon. As it passed, Moon's offspring became the playful stars that now scatter the vast expanse of Skyland. Little Turtle's dedication to her responsibilities earned her recognition and admiration from all of the creatures back on Earth, and she found great satisfaction in making a positive impact. Little Turtle was admired by many of the animals, but envy began to grow within some, particularly the proud deer with his magnificent antlers. One day, Deer approached Rainbow and asked to be taken to Skyland, where Little Turtle resided. Rainbow hesitated, and the thought of bringing Deer to Little Turtle's home and uh, wasn't comfortable and replied, Well, I, I will take you, but only when I rest upon the big mountain by the lake during the winter. 
the deer was content with Rainbow's answer and waited patiently for Rainbow's arrival throughout the winter, right near the big mountain. However, Rainbow was nowhere to be seen. When the spring came around, Deer happened upon Rainbow at the lakeside and posed the question about the promise that he had made. Rainbow found himself unsure of how to respond and instead made a new promise to Deer. Meet me by the lake when the mist settles in. Deer held on to this promise, keeping it hidden as he planned to venture to Skyland alone. Day after day, he waited patiently by the lake, watching for the telltale sign of, of the thick mist rolling in over the water. Finally, he caught sight of the resplendent rainbow. Its magnificent shining arch extended from the lake all the way to the towering mountain. Suddenly, a burst of bright, brilliant light illuminated the deer's surroundings. When he looked up, he saw a straight path that shimmered with all the colours of the rainbow, leading directly through the great forest. Rainbow provided Deer with clear directions to navigate through the vast forest. The path was illuminated with a vivid spectrum of colours, leading Deer towards Little Turtle's house in the distance. Nonetheless, Deer decided to venture further into the unknown and to explore the wonders of Skyland on his own. Well, Deer's absence did not go unnoticed during the animals council meeting back on Earth later that day. The other animals were curious about his whereabouts and questioned each other. Has anyone seen him? Hawk shared that he had searched for Deer, but to no avail but he promised to continue his efforts and to scour the entire area to locate him. Despite his best attempts though, Hawk was unable to track down the deer and returned to the council empty-handed. Determined to find deer, Wolf volunteered to take over the search, believing that deer might be hiding in the deep woods. He tirelessly combed through every nook and cranny of the deep, dark woods, but Deer was nowhere to be found. The next day, Wolf had to inform the council that his search had been fruitless, leaving the other animals with more questions than they had answers. At the request of the council, Dark Cloud was asked to escort Little Turtle to the meeting. During the meeting's proceedings, Little Turtle disclosed that she had recently seen Deer in Skyland. Little Turtle said that Deer had arrived on a brightly coloured illuminated path that Rainbow had fashioned specifically for him to ascend to Skyland. Little Turtle went on to draw attention to this path, which was new to many of the animals present. They were left wondering why Deer had not waited for them to join him on this journey to Skyland. While taking a walk near the lake, Brown Bear spotted a glistening pathway that seemed to invite him to follow it. Without hesitation, Bear made up his mind to explore the great forest by following the path. With excitement, he continued on the path until he eventually reached 
Skyland. Bear was surrounded by stunning scenery, but he felt a bit disappointed that his friend had left him behind. Just then he spotted Deer quite nearby and called out. Why had Deer gone to Skyland without him? Why didn't Deer wait for him? But Deer, who was always proud, did not like being questioned and he shook his antlers angrily. What right have you to question me? No one but the wolf may question why I came. I will kill you for your impertinence. The deer stood tall and ready to defend itself against the imposing bear. Its neck was arched and its impressive antlers poised. But bear, however, remained completely unafraid, towering over the deer on its hind legs. Its sharp claws glinted menacingly in the sunlight. It let out a deep growl that echoed throughout the surrounding wilderness. The fierce battle that erupted between the mighty deer and the bear was so intense that it caused the ground to shake uncontrollably, sending tremors that reverberated right throughout Skyland. In fact, the entire animal kingdom down on earth could not help but notice the tremors and was captivated by its spectacle as the chaos erupted in the tumultuous skies above. The once serene and tranquil land was now dark and the land shook beneath the animals from the intensity of the fighting above them, leaving all the animals on earth in a state of fear and uncertainty as to who would be brave enough to intervene and bring an end to the bitter conflict. Without hesitation, the confident wolf stepped forward and declared, I will go. Wolf wanted to end the conflict between his friends and he raced along the vibrant, colourful path that led him through the great forest. In no time at all, he arrived at the battleground, ready to face the challenge ahead. Suddenly, Wolf growled, Stop! His command was so loud and so assertive that fighting deer and bears immediately ceased their battle. The deer's large antlers, resembling trees, were covered in blood. As he shook them, large drops of bear's blood splashed down to the earth below. At the end of the intense combat, Wolf took the lead as they made their way back to Earth. Deer and Bear were walking slowly in front of him, helping each other by tending to each other's open wounds. They both had visible injuries from the battle and both appeared defeated. The once vibrant path was now stained with droplets of their blood as their wounds continued to bleed. The dark woods were a stark contrast to their usual calm and serenity. Blood from deer and bear dripped off the path and tumbled down towards the trees of the great forest, covering the leaves of the trees with a mosaic of colours, from the deepest of reds to the most radiant of golds, and from captivating amber to rich russet brown. Wolf looked at his two companions and said, Let this serve as a reminder to us all that we should always stand by our friends and never let our pride or self-importance come between us. 
especially in the most challenging of times. When the trio arrived back on Earth, the animals cheered and waved as they were so happy to see deer and bear back on Earth as friends after the terrible battle that they'd had in Skyland. Bear and deer walked slowly, their heads bowed low as they limped past the crowds of animals that were cheering and applauding them, and behind them was the bravest of all the animals, the wolf who was just pleased he had returned with both of his friends. Wolf sighed, and he thought to himself that a valuable lesson had been learned by them all today. And that's a good place for us to leave our story, because now you know why the leaves turn red in autumn. So now you know why the leaves turn red each autumn. I do hope you enjoyed the story. I began storytelling online during the lockdowns and have since developed a deep appreciation for the richness and variety of of our ancestors' lore as it was their way of preserving their learning and wisdom to share with us today. I've started to write my own stories and to revisit some of the classic folklore tales and tell them in my own way, and all with nature themes, of course. I will soon be launching a new podcast, The Nature Storyteller, with my own take on some of the classic folklore stories and sharing some of my own stories that I hope you will enjoy. Folklore is an intoxicating mix of facts and fantasy, but as for which is which, well, that's for you to decide. On these chilly autumnal evenings, there is nothing better than to settle down with a mug of rich, steaming hot chocolate and snuggle up to your favourite animal companion, or your other half if you have to, and if it's safe to do so, close your eyes. Now relax and listen as I bring you one of the classic autumnal folklore stories that's travelled through generations of storytellers and stood the test of time. This is the story of Mabon. Once upon a time and a long time ago, during the birth of this world, there existed a mother known as Modra, an appellation that signified a great mother. Her beauty and strength were unparalleled, and her affection radiated like a beacon of light. Modron had a son named Mabon, which meant great son. Mabon's countenance was a reflection of his mother's love. His heart shone with a love reciprocated. His youthful vigour and vitality was so dazzling that they left all who beheld him spellbound. Unfortunately, 
tragedy struck when Mabon was just an infant. He had barely spent three nights nestled at his mother's breast, nourishing from her bosom and reveling in her embrace when he vanished into the darkness. When Modron awoke to find her beloved son gone, and no one who could tell her who had stolen him away, she mourned and wept, and her tears swelled and flowed like a great ocean. A mother's sorrow can be as great as her love. Many years passed without sight or sound of Mabon, and Modron continued to grieve and hope all of this time. Then, one day, a king arrived seeking to speak to Modron about her son. The king's name was Arthur, and he came with a retinue of skillful and courageous knights following behind him. King Arthur and his knights had been set an impossible task to hunt the huge and terrible boar called Tewerch Tewith. This boar was so strong, so fast and so tough that no hunter in the world could track him down and kill him save for the greatest huntsman of all. Amid the ongoing search for a mysterious huntsman, rumours began to circulate throughout the area, suggesting that the individual in question could be none other than Mabon, the great son who had once shown remarkable energy even as an infant. The people's hope and belief were that if Mabon were indeed still alive and if he could be found, he would possess the ability to slay the formidable boar. As a result, King Arthur approached Modron and asked about her son's possible whereabouts. The question was difficult and painful for Modron, eliciting a bittersweet laugh amid her sorrow. Do you think I haven't pondered the same question all these years, she replied. Despite the profound depth of her grief, which she likened to the vast expanse of the darkest sky on a moonless night, Modron had been unable to determine Mabon's location or even ascertain whether he was still alive. You have come a long way, King Arthur, but I cannot help you. You may as well ask the blackbird where the boy is hidden, she added with a sad, helpless wave of her hand. King Arthur, too determined to give up, decided he was just going to do that. He and his knights searched for the blackbird, an old creature who had long guarded the gateway into other realms on the edge of dawn. Blackbird, called Arthur. We're looking for Mabon, son of Modron, who was stolen from his mother's side three nights after his birth. Do you know where he may be hidden? The blackbird looked at Arthur and his knights with quick, obsidian eyes. I am old, as you well know, he said at last. As I sit here on this dusty patch of ground, my mind wanders to the days of old when a magnificent blacksmith's anvil stood tall in this very spot. It was a colossal piece of craftsmanship forged from the strongest iron and capable of withstanding any blow. Despite its impressive size, it remained untouched by any hammer. Now, 
All that remains is the fine layer of dust beneath my feet, a sombre reminder of the passage of time. I have been present in this place for centuries, and yet I have never had the opportunity to witness or hear about the legendary Mabon, son of Modron. But, the Blackbird continued, I know of one who is even older than I am, and I will take you to him. Arthur and his knights thanked the Blackbird for his kindness and followed his lead. It soon led them to the bright stag of the forest, whose old coat glistened as with midday sunlight. Stag, called Arthur, we are looking for Mabon, son of Modron, who was stolen from his mother's side three nights after his birth. Do you know where he may be hidden? The stag lowered his huge antlered head and gazed at Arthur and his knights with ancient amber eyes. I am old, as you well know, he said at last. Have you taken a moment to admire the grandeur of the towering oak tree that stands beside us? Reflecting on my existence, I can recall when that tree was merely a small, fragile sapling that sprouted from a humble acorn. Now it reigns as the most prominent and mightiest tree in the entire forest, boasting thick branches extending outward in every imaginable direction. I have grown in size and strength over the years, with my antlers expanding in a fashion that mirrors the tree's sprawling branches. It fills me with a sense of pride and serves as a testament to my age and endurance. That being said, I must humbly admit that I am not familiar with Mabon, Modron's son. But, the stag continued, I know of one who is even older than I am, and I will take you to her. Arthur and his knights thanked the stag for his kindness and followed his lead. He soon led them to the owl, whose rippling moonshone eyes have watched the comings and goings of the night for unknown ages and now looked on King Arthur with placid kindness. Owl, called King Arthur, we are looking for Mabon, son of Modron, who was stolen from his mother's side three nights after his birth. Do you know where he may be hidden? The owl adjusted her silent wings and turned her haunted, blossomy face towards Arthur and his knights. I am old, as you well know, she said. Let me tell you a story as we stand in this forested valley. Long ago, when I was born, there was an even older and wilder forest here. Sadly, the people who moved in cut it down. But as they left for more fertile land, another forest grew in its place. The forest also became wild and strange with age until the people returned and they destroyed it once again. The valley was left empty and bare. It seems that human beings tend to go to war and drain the land of its resources. But as time passed, the people left this valley 
to the gods of the wild places. And now we stand in the third ancient forest I have watched grow to wilderness here. Let us cherish and protect this beautiful place for generations to come. That, said the owl, her low eyes shimmering like deep pools, is how old I am. And yet, I have never seen nor heard of Mabon, son of Modron. But, the owl told Arthur, I know of one who is even older than I am, and I will take you to him. Well, Arthur and his knights thanked the owl for her kindness, and they followed her lead. She soon led them to the noble eagle, who held his head aloft and flourished a beak and talons so sharp and true they might slice the air in two. Eagle, called Arthur, we are looking for Mabon, son of Modron, who was stolen from his mother's side three nights after his birth. Do you know where he may be hidden? The eagle gracefully adjusted her feathers and looked at Arthur and his knights with kind, sharp eyes. After a moment, she spoke. As you know, I am quite old. She gestured towards a small rock in her talons and continued. When I was born, there was a towering standing stone here. I would perch on it every night and strike my beak against the sky, creating stars with each peck. But now, as you can see, there are countless stars and I created all of them. The standing stone eroded over time due to the wind and the rain and all that remains is this pebble at my feet. That, said the eagle, is how old I am. And yet, I have never seen nor heard of Mabon, son of Modron. As you can imagine, King Arthur was beginning to despair that he would never be able to find Mabon, the great son of Modron, to help him hunt the wild and terrible boar. Arthur's face was tired and drawn from his relentless quest and his eyes were sunken due to lack of sleep and the long journey to seek out the wise and ancient beings he hoped would assist him. However, none of them seemed capable of offering him any assistance. Even though his knights remained loyal and trusted him as their king, they were also becoming weary. Arthur, being a good leader to his people, and a friend to his companions realised that he would have to call off the search soon for their well-being, if not for his own. The eagle, whose keen mind could read the fatigue and stress in Arthur's expression, had sympathy for the weary king. Let me tell you a story, she said to Arthur. Arthur nodded his agreement and the eagle began. Once upon a time, when the world was new, severe famine caused great suffering and hunger. I was still young and endured my fair share of hardships during this time. One day, while searching for food in an unfamiliar area, I spotted a fish in a small pool shaded by nine hazel trees far below me. 
without hesitation, I dived down towards the fish and I caught it with both feet, determined to secure my meal and avoid starvation before nightfall. But that fish had incredible strength and it pulled me down into the dark, swirling depths of the pool. I was close to drowning, but I finally let go of my hunger and released the fish. Later on, I discovered it was the ancient salmon of wisdom. This creature had lived in the sacred pool for ages, feeding on hazelnuts that fell from the surrounding nine hazel trees. It was even older than I was. They say hazelnuts are food for the gods, and I would not be surprised if the wise salmon herself were a goddess dwelling in that strange and mysterious place. A mighty eagle like myself, said the eagle, could never presume to capture a goddess against her will. But let me tell you, Arthur, if the salmon of wisdom still dwells within that pool, I can take you to her. Although all the oldest creatures of the land could not tell you where to find Mabon, son of Modron, she will undoubtedly know and help, and if she cannot, your quest is beyond all hope. So, with new hope and fresh energy, Arthur led his knights with the eagle as their guide far across the land, over gentle green downs and dark, twisting woods, until they finally came to the sacred pool in the hazel grove. King Arthur was exhausted and took a knee beside the pool. The water rippled gently as a small stream flowed, meandering through the tree roots. As he gazed at the pool, Arthur imagined he could see the shimmering eyes of an ancient goddess smiling at him in the reflection of the tree branches, but they disappeared quickly. In a flash, the silver body of a fish flickered by, and Arthur called out, Salmon of wisdom, we have come a long way to ask for your help. We have spoken to Blackbird, the Stag, the Owl, and the Eagle, and all of the ancient beings. None could lead us to what we seek. We are looking for Mabon, son of Modron, who was stolen from his mother's side three nights after his birth. Do you know where he may be hidden? As Arthur stood by the pool, he heard a beautiful voice that sounded like it was coming from the bubbling stream. The voice asked him if he had asked the mother of the person in question. Arthur told her that he had, but that through her sorrow she could not help him find her son. As Arthur listened to the salmon's words, a strange mix of sadness and amusement rose within him. The salmon spoke of Modron's grief for her son, which she likened to the vastness and obscurity of the ocean. And the ocean was a place the salmon knew well, in every detail, having been her home for so many ages of man. Every year, the salmon returned to this particular pool where she would follow a stream that led her deep into the country's hills and eventually to a spring in the courtyard of the Castle of Light. 
The salmon said she had heard the cries and anguish of a solitary soul there for many, many years. Do you think, wise salmon, that this sorrowing soul may be of the great sun? The salmon spoke with an unwavering voice. I am certain and I can take you to him. You may ride on my back while I swim, but I can only carry two passengers. Therefore, you must come alone, Arthur, so that once you rescue Mabon, you can both return together. With a mixture of bravery and apprehension, King Arthur bid farewell to his knights and climbed onto the silvery back of the Salmon of Wisdom. Quick as light glinting over the water, the salmon swam away with Arthur astride her. Arthur watched the blur of the countryside as they sped along with a magical speed, so that in almost no time at all they were approaching the place where the stream began its journey, the spring by the great castle of light. The Castle of Light, despite its ironic name, was a decrepit and decomposing structure, long neglected and entangled within the forest. Its walls were crumbling and covered in moss. That dark, decaying structure imposed on the early evening sky, giving a foreboding appearance. As they approached the fortress, Arthur could hear the sounds of sorrow and weeping emanating from deep within its walls, just as the Salmon of Wisdom had described. Immediately upon dismounting from the Salmon, Arthur charged into the castle's dim courtyard. He forcefully struck the inner door with the hilt of his sword. The decayed door, so old and full of rot, yielded quickly to the force of Arthur's blows and he pushed it open. Arthur followed the sounds of grief echoing from deep within the castle. As he descended into the castle's dark and damp dungeons, the sad sounds grew ever closer. In a corner, Arthur found a man, crying and sitting hunched over. The man looked up when he heard Arthur's footsteps. Even though his eyes were red from crying, his face stained with the grime of many years, it had a youthful glow beneath the streaks in his tears. Arthur spoke in a commanding tone that only a king can and said, Are you Mavon, the great son of the great mother Modron? The young man stopped crying and he dried his eyes on the sleeve of his tunic and then he stood up, revealing his full height, and he said, Yes, sir, I am Mabon, son of Modron, and I have been imprisoned here in this dark, terrible dungeon for a very, very, very long time. I am King Arthur, and I have been searching for you, Mabon, as I need you to track down the wild boar known as Tewerch Toweth. If you will join me in this quest, I will set you free. I will, and it will be my honour to serve my king, said Mabon. And then he quickly followed Arthur from the dark dungeon, up the many steps of the old castle, and finally out into the sunlight in the woodland. 
Arthur and Mabon were soon sitting on the back of the Salmon of Wisdom, who looked at Mabon with a caring, gentle gaze. The Salmon of Wisdom didn't make an effort to protect the king and Mabon from the bow waves and splashing of the water as she sped away from the castle. The stream's water washed over them as the salmon jumped and dived, twisting its glistening body with delight as it skillfully navigated the rocks and shallows, avoiding all obstacles and all the time maintaining a speed as fast as the glint of light on water. By the time they arrived back at the pool, Mabon's face was cleansed of all the grime and sadness that had accumulated over the time he was trapped in the castle's dungeon, and now he once again radiated with vitality, his vigour restored. And that is how Mabon arrived at his mother's, Modron's side, a tall, handsome man who was shining and radiant. King Arthur and his fearless knights trailed behind him in all their majesty. Modron greeted him with the hug of a mother who had found her son again, a hug of immense joy and appreciation that surpassed even the ocean's vastness and the sun's brilliance. Modron kissed her son and then stood back admiring what a magnificent man he had become. Then she smiled and turned to King Arthur and said, Arthur, you have returned my son to me. Now I give you, Mabon, my blessing to join with King Arthur in his quest. In Celtic folklore, Mabon is a Welsh mythological god. He is the great son of Lugus, the god of light and Modron, or Mother Earth. The Autumn Festival is a celebration of Mabon to express gratitude to Modron, Mother Earth, for her abundance and gifts from nature in the autumn. Perhaps you know the festival of Mabon as the Autumn Equinox, or the Christian Harvest Festival, or the Druid Albon Elfet. However you know the festival, it is a time to celebrate the light that will soon turn to darkness and to gather nature's abundant harvest to preserve and maintain us through the dark and cold nights that lay ahead of us. And that, I believe, is a very good place for our story to end. I do hope you enjoyed uh, hearing Modron's story. And now a quick poem from Robert Frost. Nature's first green is gold, her hardest hue to hold. Her early leaves of flower, but only so an hour. Then leaf subsides to leaf. So Eden sank to grief. So dawn goes down today. Nothing gold can stay. Thank you so much for spending your time with me today. I do hope you've enjoyed our celebration of autumn. If you have, then please do share, follow, like or subscribe 
It really helps the podcast to grow. And if you've enjoyed our folklore and storytelling, then do look out for our new podcast, The Nature Storyteller, that we'll be launching this October. But of course, the Wildlife Matters podcast will continue. And can you believe it? We have reached the end of season two, but we will be back with season three. And we're really looking forward to bringing you more wildlife news and including a range of interviews that we know you're going to enjoy. But for now, this is me, your host, Nigel Palmer. It's Wildlife Matters, signing off.